Hi friends, welcome to season four of the Sacred Space podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I am thrilled that you are here and incredibly excited of the things that we have in store for you. I have such amazing guests lined up, such incredible conversations. I am just so eager for you to dig in and receive from them. But even more exciting is we are releasing Dwell Volume 1, our collection of guided scripture meditations that is finally done and available on all streaming platforms. And it's really just a gift for you so that you can create some sacred space in your life to hear God's word differently, to receive, to be in his presence, and to grow in your intimate, loving relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. I thought what better way to kick off this season than to have a conversation about meditation. Is meditation biblical? How is biblical meditation different than Eastern meditation or other forms of meditation? And so I asked my husband, Norm, who is my partner in ministry and who is co-producer. Um, he did all of the mixing and editing and so much work on Dwell and Justin Hepner, my creative collaborator and ministry partner, who is also a pastor and a wealth of deep theological knowledge. And we just wanted to have a conversation about meditation, about the journey we went on creating this, and really to extend an invitation to you to sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Hi, Norm, Justin, hey. and everybody. Welcome to season four. Can you believe we've got season four seasons of the Sacred Space podcast? Super excited about still being here, excited about season four, but really excited about what we're launching in addition to this season of the podcast, and that is the Dwell Project. Dwell Volume 1 is available now. On all your streaming services. What is the Dwell Project? <laughs> yes. I'm glad you asked that, Norm. <laughs> Dwell is a recording project of guided scripture meditations. And by that, I mean we created a musical bed and I take you through a scripture and we give space for the Holy Spirit to speak, for you to receive it differently and to really get immersed to use a norm word right before we start recording really get immersed in god's presence in his voice and in his word and being musicians i was excited to create music really intentionally for this that uh, the music plays as much a role in the leading as the the voiceover or my narration whatever you want to call it also i was really wanting to create something that is very scripture based. It is the word that we're allowing to be exposed differently, taken deeper to really hear what the Holy Spirit might be saying. So the uh, inception of this came from season one of the Sacred Space podcast. I had a vision of having a lot of the episodes being conversations, but then a couple a season being these dwell episodes. And out of that, I ended up uh, getting a seed grant from the Grove in Orange County to do a recording project. And so we've been working on it and here we are. I really wanted to get together with you guys and have a conversation. Great to be here. Yeah. Having been in worship ministry a, a long time, 
dwelling in, in the way that this project is, is, is something that we would regularly do where, you know, yeah. we'd kind of just kind of create a musical bed yeah. and you would sort of, sort of just minister. Yeah. And I speaking for myself personally, some of the most profound times of hearing God speak to me and, you know, the idea of sort of putting that together for people that can have their own times of immersion with the Lord was really super exciting for me to be part of. And uh, yeah, it was a long process because we, even though we've done lots of music projects before, strangely, there are some technical aspects of, of doing yeah, this. Right. It isn't just kind of throwing together some music beds and going for it. You know, it's it definitely to kind of create that required a lot more um, intentionality, but yeah. I'm, I'm super excited with uh, how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. We fought, we fought for sure to keep the, the music connected to content. I don't know if you and Gina know this, Norm, but one of the first connections I felt with you guys when I met you, because I met Gina on the phone through a job interview process That's right. several, several years ago. Yeah. And then I met you, Norm, when I came out to interview for that job in person. And within 24 hours of meeting both of you in person, we were making music together. Yeah. And um, what set you apart from other musicians I had played with, Norm, is that you were open to allowing the music to go somewhere and to do something and to breathe. You were okay with um, me painting for a minute between yeah, I love it. You know, yeah. pieces of content. And I think that that started out pretty quick with all three of us, a pretty um, open spirit to this sort of thing, that God can speak in things that don't just require uh, black and white on a page of words, yeah. but that God can use all of it. Um, so that was actually something that really drew me to you guys in general. Uh, Norm, you and I had some conversations when I was creating the journal, and you really were pushing me to kind of teach and explain the difference between biblical meditation and maybe meditation in the context of what other people might think of it. Justin, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts on this, but some of the things that as I've been thinking through that, the striking difference for me between maybe Eastern meditation, and when I say Eastern meditation, meditation that's kind of rooted in Eastern um, religious practices is that it tends to be self-focused and it tends to be isolating. It's an isolation practice where biblical meditation is relationship focused and is dependent. So it doesn't operate in isolation. It operates in relationship and independence. And um, that dependence obviously is on God. Uh, Eastern meditation is focused inward and emptying yourself out where biblical meditation is bringing your mind, your soul, your spirit intentionally into God's presence, into his word and his voice, and kind of in submission to and surrender to and in the receiving of those things. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Justin? If I were to just take a broad stroke and talk about Eastern versus biblical um, meditation, there's um, probably the safest thing to say in regard to that um, from my understanding which is, you know, fairly informed. But um, Eastern often has to, has to do with uh, self-awareness yeah. and self-actualization. Mm -hmm. So it's largely ruled by self-definition. Yeah. 
Um, and so what you wind up at the end is a reorganized self minus the things that are burdening you. Yeah. And it's the work of your own hands, your own mind, and it operates largely in the box of realization. Yeah. Now, in a Google world, realization is just a few keystrokes away <laughs> on anything you want yeah. to realize. It's governed by information. Yeah. So you can get any information you want about anything you're searching for. Realization of the world can only lead to a reorganization of the self. Yeah, that's good. Right? Revelation comes from outside of our realm into our world. Yeah. And that's what we call God's word. Yeah. It was revealed to us. In fact, after humanity fell in Genesis, we read that Adam and Eve chose to go against the laws that God had set in place. And there was a separation from God. There was also a separation from self. God's word does the work of realigning us with God yeah. and our purpose and realigning us back with right relationship with self. Yeah. And so what we actually believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that something deeper than self-realization and self-revelation, if you will, is out there. Yeah. It's called God's Word, and it puts us back in connection with the one who formed us. Right. And formed us with purpose, so right. we understand purpose, so we understand ourselves. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. Well, it goes back to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. All of which is relationally driven and relationally necessary. So what you're when you're talking about coming back into that place of reconnecting, reorienting with that first relationship that we're designed for, which then allows us to have healthy relationship yeah. with ourselves and each other, right? Yeah. Um, and it's that place of being seen, being known, and being loved. Well, it's actually not just receiving but giving. It's seeing and being yeah. seen, knowing and being known, loving and being loved. Yeah. And yeah. And higher, higher thinking doesn't actually heal. Yeah, it's good. It buys you out of your problem. <laughs> but yeah. band-aids get bled through. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. You're going to have to come back for more higher thinking. Now, we're going to wander, but what we're promised in God's revelation is that it brings true restoration yeah, to good. something we can't do for our own selves. And ask anybody in our culture. Everyone's starting to say that sacrificial love is the best way to love everybody. Yeah. I'm like, well, where have we heard about that? Yeah, hmm. right. Right? So to me, you have biblical meditation versus Eastern, you know, thought or meditation. And it, I'm not trying to bulldoze one or the other. I'm sharing from conviction, not just from the truth, but from experience. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It seems to me, too, that... Um... I mean, having, you know, I'm half Japanese, born and raised in Japan, as the two of you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my exposure to meditation was definitely kind of listening to people chant for extended periods of time with the goal uh, that you were just sharing, Justin. And coming from, you know, I don't really come from a charismatic background, but from my experience with the Lord, it seems like you know, I would characterize biblical meditation as uh, soaking or immersing yourself in the truths of God. 
you know, there's a pastor that we used to have um, years ago, and one of the quotes that he had um, continues to resonate with me. And he said, the truest thing about you is what God says about you. Yeah. And, you know, if that's true, then there are huge ramifications of that. You know? Yeah, that's good. We're in an interesting time in the world right now, and we're inundated. Like, there's, there's no room and space at all. We, you know, we have phones. We're on constantly. I find myself even... You know, I sit down and I instinctually grab my phone to look at something, to, to scroll, or I instinctually look to see if I got, you know, it's like we've almost moved as a culture to a place where it's almost impossible to be still. And totally. by being still, I don't just mean physically stopping, but mentally stopping. Yeah. I've sat at church on Sundays occasionally and sit there with my Bible open, staring at Derek or Justin and have to stop myself and go, focus. Let go of what you're thinking. Let go of what you're praying. Let go of all these things and actually receive right now. Like, listen. And I read this great little book, and I'm hoping to interview her. Um, and I'm not going to remember the name of it all. I'll, I'll remember, and I'll put it in the outro. But it's this tiny book, and it's about the the digital effect that we've had. And she really goes through basic needs that we have as humans for shelter, sunlight, rest, play. Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, right. Free, um, free, free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. Yeah, for sure. But, but you know what? She brought up something that was really fascinating. She said, you know, we don't know how to be bored. And boredom is necessary for our minds to process the things that we've experienced. So when we were kids, mm. you would go to the DMV and stand in line and you wouldn't have anything to look at. And so you're like bored. And it's in those places of boredom, of going out. You, none of your friends could play. It's not time for the show, the one show you like to watch. Um, there's no DVR, VCR. You go outside and you sit on the grass and you just, you're bored. And it's time for your mind to rest, your heart to rest, for you to process what you've experienced and who you are and where you are and what God's... We, we don't have that space. And so one of the things I was um, recognizing, even in just some of the definitions of meditation, and it's about contemplation or reflection and we're in a constant state of contemplation and reflection and rumination. Our minds don't stop. And so my question is, you know, what are you meditating on? Because all of us are meditating on something right now. That's, that's the state of the union right now. We're all meditating. We're all ruminating constantly on something. So what is it? And I would go so far as to say what we're meditating on is what's forming us. Yeah. And so what does it look like to stop and recognize that and shift what our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our souls are meditating on and ruminating on and start to bring it back to that place so that the Lord can have his way so that we can encounter him and kind of be restored really to the original intent. Yeah, I mean, you just explained the ongoing outpouring that happens from a human soul Yeah, that we could refer to as worship. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's right? like we're a people of constant outpouring. Yeah. It doesn't ever turn off. Yeah. And the question is, what are you outpouring toward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Back to thinking about reaching for my phone every five seconds. If I tune my constant outpouring to doing something that's actually taking my focus attention away from what matters, then I'm avoiding all of my purpose and intent in many, many, yeah, many good. ways. But 
I do think it's an important part of the conversation to just say that we are that that people um, because God is a God who is creative. Yeah. God is a God of constant sustaining and constant outpouring and constant holding of all things, mm-hmm. constant knowledge, constant presence, constant otherness and holiness and righteousness. We're made in his image and we, we reflect that in some not so beautiful ways now because of sin, mm-hmm. but the outpouring is still there. Yeah. And so nothing doesn't worship, nothing that's a human doesn't outpour. We're always outpouring. Yeah. So the question is to what? And one of the things that I feel behind even the Dwell Project is that you provided a healthy space to tune the outpouring of the human soul towards something that would actually lead towards reforming yeah. back into original intent and purpose with God, a mm-hmm. place that God could speak, a place that Holy Spirit could be welcomed in to not just clean house, not just convict, but comfort. Yeah. To love, to pour yeah. out the heart of the Father into you. Yeah. Um, and those are spaces that you redeem people's imagination now. Yeah, it's good. The imagination isn't scratched by a meme. Mm, yeah. Or by a Google search about wondering some dark secret about your life that you've never shared with anybody. Yeah. Your imagination goes back to what could the Father do in me. And I think you're helping tune the outpouring of heart back to the song that God put in us in yeah, the beginning and letting the Holy Spirit minister that into us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, if you've been a believer for any length of time, obviously God's word's important. Obviously we want to read our Bible and you know, I go through in um, the prayer class that I teach and we talk about, you know, um, how we cultivate that intimate relationship with the Lord and worship is part of it and prayer is part of it and the word. But there's different ways to assimilate God's word. You know, we can read it, which is powerful because you get the con- context and the story and and it can come alive. And then there's studying it, like going deeper and kind of dissecting it and kind of intellectually looking at the culture and the, you know, all of that stuff. Sometimes we can go to memorize it and that's part of just like having it in there. But there's something about almost like marinating in it. And that's what this is. It's like, how do we receive God's word differently? So it's not just knowledge, but it becomes a part of our DNA. It becomes a part of who we are. And then the other thing that I think is really powerful and I was wanted to be very intentional with um, in the journal part of Dwell is that God's word is living and breathing and it's dividing and it uh, does all of these things. You can read the same passage several times over the course of your life and God will bring fresh revelation and something new or convict you differently every time. And so I included what I called an altar of remembrance a whole section, altar of remembrance section for each meditation, because what I, I want to help people start to see and receive is I'm going to sit here maybe today and go through the first well meditation, which is based in Psalm 139. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to, I'm going to listen and I'm going to receive, I'm going to soak in, in God's word. And then I want to write down the things that he said. You know, what what am I feeling? What am I sensing? What's triggering me? What's maybe uncomfortable? What's frustrating? And also, I want us to learn that it's okay. It's okay to be triggered by the God's word. It's okay to be uncomfortable with God's word. This is part of what does healthy intimacy look like? What does it look like not to just 
hear it and let it go by, but actually wrestle with it. And so that altar remembrance is a place to write down the things that I received today on this date. And then if you go back to that meditation three weeks from now, a month from now, a year from now, God's going to move differently. He's going right. to speak differently. Why? Because you're different. You're in a different place. You're uh, in a stronger place, in a harder place. You're weary. You're joyful. Like um, he is convicting or he's leading or he's affirming. Like all those things are different. And what that does is it creates those um, altars of remembrance. Like in the Old Testament where God would tell Israel he would do something miraculous on their behalf he would speak profoundly and he'd say build an altar why so that we're a forgetful people when we exactly. forget or when our kids are going what are those stones about or we start complaining we can go back and go oh wait that's when god spoke that's what he said he said that i'm not going to be here forever he said that healing is coming he said that uh you know this situation will be resolved he's spoken uh, that I'm healed. He's spoken that my kids are going to be okay or whatever those things are that he spoke. It re it's a reminder of his faithfulness, right? You know, Psalm 37 talks about feeding on his faithfulness. That's what those altars of remembrance are so that when I'm in a place that's hard and dark, I can go back and I can be reminded of the things that he said to me uniquely, intimately, and, and intentionally. I think there is a unique a unique thing about this marination that you're describing when there's a music bed that supports it. And it, it's, that sounds kind of um, analytical or whatever, but speaking as a musician and a worship musician for, for many decades, I think God created music with a profound, uh, um, it can profoundly impact a human's ability to receive and it, it evokes something you know yeah. and worship of god is not just an analytical thing or a intellectual you know, intellectual thing, thing right it, yeah. the psalms are replete with all sorts of examples of god moving the heart and i think that the the dwell kind of idea this meditation on the lord's truths accompanied by music of the type that we've done i think is um i think god can use it in a profound way yeah, I think, what was that? We were at a, a retreat for worship leaders years ago, and Ian Cron was the guest speaker. And uh, he had a quote, and I can't find the quote. I don't know if it was him or he quoted someone else, and I always butcher it, but it was something along the lines of uh, art, so whether that's music mm -hmm. or visual art or whatever it is, allows truth to come in sideways, right? So I can yeah. I can sit and listen to someone lecture, or I can or speak or read um, something that's profound and truthful, but art brings it in in a way that um, I'm captivated by or that I, I, can, I can receive differently. Worship isn't just music, but musical worship is a significant expression and part of worship, totally. I think, because yeah. of that very thing. It evokes something, it releases something, it gives permission for something that maybe doesn't, can't happen in the context of a conversation, right? And so there's something really cool about that. A, yeah. much, a much more uh, articulate way of saying what I was trying to say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it, I've heard the, the same quote. Um, one of the other ways I've heard that is the um, art, it evades the watchful dragons of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's you good. Know, and I, lo I always yeah. love that. I'm like, yeah, it's it's true. 
Um, I also think that it gives um, permission and space for emotions. And I think that there's been a, a lot of places in the church world that you have to separate your faith from your emotions. And I don't think emotions should rule us, but I think there's purpose in emotions. Jesus expressed emotions on, in very yeah. significant ways, everything from anger to anguish. And I think we, whether it's from just our life, our childhood, our upbringing, or our faith, or just trying to survive life, we can uh, repress and deny those emotions or we don't believe that there's even space or permission for those things. And one of the things that is flabbergasting to me about that is I think the Bible is replete with demonstrations of people and their emotions and the safest place for those to be is in God's presence. He doesn't uh, scorn them. He doesn't judge them. He doesn't chastise them. He meets you there. And it's the people that can recognize that and be the most honest with where they're at in God's presence that have the deepest relationship and connection with him, right? And so um, part of what I love and really was something I didn't recognize or expect necessarily was that allowing that space somehow actually gives permission for people to finally allow themselves to feel, to feel the weight of, oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I lay down, you know when I get up. That maybe they've never allowed themselves to stop and receive that or uh, be overwhelmed by it. And I've had a couple of examples or testimonies from people who came into experiencing a dwell meditation with really no expectation. I had one woman who hadn't cried since she was a child and she's in her forties and in the meditation she experienced and encountered God's love and cried for the first time and the healing that was brought to mm -hmm. her through that process of receiving or um, awareness or recognizing something she needed she didn't realize she needed so I think that's an important thing as well emotions can be a powerful indicator of really where we're even, how, how far we are, how close we are, how full of shame we might be or whatever, and being able to allow ourselves to give space and also allow the Holy Spirit into those places, then healing can come. That's where conviction can happen. That's where uh, recognition that forgiveness needs to take place, recognition that there might be offense that we've been burying and not willing to address, recognition that there's bitterness that needs to be processed, Recognition, maybe there's joy that we haven't allowed ourselves to experience. So I think we're receiving God's comfort. Yeah, huge. Oh, that's huge. that's yeah. maybe one of the hardest things. Um, one of the things I love about the Dwell Project is that it really walks alongside in my life uh, one of the great purposes of the book that we call the Psalms. Yeah, that's good. It's a place of the meeting ground of all the pieces of humanity <laughs> before the presence of God. I think it's incredible that the first psalm in the first book of the psalms and how it's broken up talks about meditation. Yeah. And it starts with some negative expressions and it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not 
in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It goes on and says he's like a tree planted near streams of water, yields fruit in season, leaf doesn't wither, he prospers in all that he does. But the beginning is fascinating to me because it talks about what it means to be blessed. We all have many definitions of what it means to be blessed, but what we find out in the psalm is that the one that's blessed is one that doesn't do a few things, but who does do something that is not just important, it's essential. Yeah. And it talks about delight. And it says, blessed is one who does not, who does not, who does not, but his delight, which is a spiritual joy that's given by God through relationship with God. Yeah, it's good. And it's this satisfaction that comes from knowing you're truly anchored in the Father. And it says his delight is in the law of the Lord, the words given to man from God. Then it says this, not just delight, but it says on his law, he meditates. So the one that's blessed walks in this great joy given to God through intimacy with God through his word, but then he also meditates on it. And if you look at the Hebrew language, the word meditates is an onomatopoeia. So like if you read old comic books, it's like pow or whap, (laughs) you know, and they spell out what it sounds like. And the word meditates is three letters. It's H-G-H. And if you say that to yourself, it's like, (laughs) right? It may clear your throat a little bit. You know, you might need to hold a Kleenex in front of your face when you're you're saying that with an English accent. (laughs) Well, yeah, because all good, all good biblical reference has to be done in English accent. Let's just be real people. But the word meditates, it's a reference to reading in a low voice to one's self. And it was a common practice when reading the Torah. So you would murmur in a low voice and you would read the word to yourself. Uh So it's not just reading it out loud. You're reading it to yourself. Yeah. It's speaking God's voice into the environment that you're in. Yeah. But you're just saying it to you. Mm -hmm. You're speaking the law, the word of Yahweh, the self-existing one to yourself in that space. And it was a discipline. It was them being diligent and purposeful and it was how they sought and were seeking after God. And if you think about what we do with scripture, this is a a much greater expression than posting a a verse on Instagram or on Facebook. (laughs) That word may have been meant for you to go in your prayer closet and just do business with you and Jesus together. Just repeat it over the space you're in. Come to know God through that. It's not just black and white on a page, but like say it to the point where it is really recognized, known, breathed in and breathed out. Different than Eastern chant, right? Which was meant to maybe speak the idol of what you believed into existence. This is repeating the words of God that were, as scriptures say, given to us for the healing of our bones. But it's not just... Um, his delight is in the law. It's not just that the blessed one meditates this, you know, but it's that it takes place day and night. That there's this, you're blessed when you do that with an ongoing culture of associating yourself with the life-giving words of God. That person that does that is like a tree planted near streams of water. They're spiritually nourished. 
through meditating on God's word. Second, they yield fruit in season. Okay, so spiritually nourished and spiritually fruitful. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think we all want that. Yeah. And the leaf does not... It almost sounds like it's saying, and I may be going close to the edge of where I can take this by saying spiritual durability. I would go so far as to say it's not even just spiritual durability because God made us, he made us in his image. Mm -hmm. We're his kids. We are living this life, right? In this life in a broken world. And in that broken world, there are things that we're going to come against, right? And so one of the meditations is actually on Psalm 1 and another verse that goes into this is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. And it's the same thing, that the tree that's planted whose roots go deep, then when the drought comes and it will. Because it does. Because it does. When the hot winds blow and they will, he won't wither. He won't, that that leaf is still going to be green. They're not going to crumble, fall over. And the other thing that's interesting too, it's like a tree can only grow as tall, as deep as its roots go because when that wind comes, it'll just get completely uprooted. And so there's there's something very significant about being able to plant ourselves to to absorb the depth of who God is, the depth of the truth of who we are in him, the depth of his presence so that we can withstand all of the things that we're going to face. Man, and without that... It's really hard to stand and withstand the testing of our faith. Yeah, it's good. Which does come from God, mm-hmm. the testing of our faith. He doesn't tempt us, nor is yeah. he tempted. But the testing of our faith is allowed to come to us. And I'll tell you what, when the testing of my faith comes, I would hope to be someone that's meditated on the same words of that God that allows the testing for my strengthening to come. And guess how I receive the testing? I receive it as part of the blessing of God that he would allow me to be grown through even a difficult season. Yeah. Even though I hate the difficult season. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But my anchor holds through every piece of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when when Paul talks about those who don't know God and they're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Yeah. The winds that come when I'm meditating on the law of the Lord and it's my delight and I'm bearing fruit and I'm nourished. I'm not tossed by the doctrine that comes at me. Yeah. Actually, what could have been used for my harm if the enemy had a hold of my roots yeah, it's good. actually makes me stronger. And I make it sound easy. It's infinitely difficult, but by God's grace and deep dependence on the Spirit in those seasons. And I've got more coming, as you two do as well. Yeah. I'm sorry, but yes. <laughs> yeah, right. But my hope is that I would be anchored in knowing that that's what the real testimony is. Yeah. It gives us recognition and capacity to receive the provision that is even in those dark places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's not referred to as light for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Usually exists in contrast to something else, right? Yeah, it's good. (laughs) It was a complete blast and honor to create this together with... um, And I I just want to say, I've said it to you guys individually, but I want to say it on air publicly that it's a crazy privilege and honor to get to partner with both of you. Your talent and skill are only exceeded by your hearts and your love for Jesus and your integrity in, in your relationship with him. And to be able to play together and create together, but to do that in a way that we can 
create an invitation for others is just super cool. Our hope is for you all out there, if you get a chance to engage and dwell, is that it is. It's a place to listen. It's a place to rest. It's a place to receive. It's a place to ask questions, a safe place to ask questions. And it's a place to process. And again, um, I'm a little bit of a broken record, but a place to see and be seen, to know and be known, to love and be loved. And yeah. It's a great privilege to be able to create music with you guys. Also, thank you guys for even including. It's a super powerful thing for me. And I was totally honored to be part of it too. And yeah, I echo your sentiments, uh, Gina. It's certainly our prayer that this would go way beyond music and way beyond a relaxing little listen, <laughs> but that God would use it in profound ways, you know. And I would maybe even say, particularly if you're in the valley, which I think it's much easier to connect with things when, uh, I don't know, maybe on the other hand, I was, I was gonna say that it's much easier to connect with things when things are going great, but in my own life, I found that when there's a certain desperation, yeah. <laughs> we tend to let God in a lot more, you know, but wherever you are, especially if you're, if you're going through the valley, it's our prayer that this would be something that God would use in a, in a huge way. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. Thank Appreciate you. It. Word. This was, you know, I intentionally titled this volume one. So kind of like the end of the movie when they leave <laughs> the last circumstance so that, you know, you got to do a You're second You're going to do a cliffhanger right now? <laughs> No, we already did. I called it volume one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's not enough. That's awesome. Oh, thanks, guys. But then do you know what God said? <laughs> Credit roll. <laughs> hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sacred Space, and I hope that you give Dwell a try. And so episode two is a meditation from the Dwell Collection, and I am really excited to share it with you. So take a listen, get comfortable, and also let us know. Give me feedback. I would love to hear how you experience God's Word, hear His voice, and just how it's ministering to you. Also, I wanted to let you know in this episode, I mentioned the conversation, um, a little book called Inner Technology, How to Be Human in a Digital World. It's by Jenny Black. It's when I was talking about, uh, we just don't have room to be bored. It is a small little book, but man, it is awesome. And I would encourage you to get it and get a copy for everyone in your family, your kids too. Uh, it's really needed in the world that we live today and all of the technology that we're inundated with. If you want to access the rest of the Dwell collection, you can go to any streaming platform and search Gina Stockton. It'll pop right up. And if you're interested in the Dwell journal, you can click the link in the episode notes or visit us at StocktonMinistries.com. I hope you have an amazing week and that you know that you are seen, you're known, and you're loved. See you next time.